welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. guys ran to worship like like those kids just did like wasn't that awesome like they just ran out they know they're gonna have fun learning about Jesus spending time in community with other kids and you know most of us when we come up these steps here we're like "Uh, I'm here hey hey yeah nice to see you I'm okay Um, but we should be excited we should be excited to be here with other brothers and sisters with other believers uh, we should be excited to worship Jesus together. We should be excited to hear from his word. We should be excited to just be in the presence of, of the people of God. Because when the people of God are gathered, Jesus is here. When people of God are gathered, his spirit is with us. And I don't know about you guys, but if, if you noticed, if you felt it, but the spirit was tangibly with us this morning. And, and so that's, that's a cause to celebrate, that this morning here in this place, and probably all over our city right now and other churches, heaven is meeting earth. And we got to be a part of that this morning. So uh, if you're new with us, uh, that's what we're about. We're about Jesus. We, we love Jesus. We lift up his name. This is when your first time in, in church or maybe in a long time. Uh, we love Jesus. And so we're going to talk more about Jesus today. Um, as you guys know, uh, we're in our series uh, called Mountain, going through the Sermon on the Mount. And just want to remind you that this is one entire sermon that Jesus has given in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're in Matthew chapter 6 right now, but it's still inside a sermon. So we're right in the middle of it. So everything that we're talking about today is based on what we've been talking about and will, f- and will flow into what we will talk about. So with the passage today, we're not interpreting in isolation. We're interpreting it in light of Jesus' entire sermon. Okay, so you'll hear, me, you'll hear me make references to previous sermons, to previous themes, to previous passages, uh, because it's all based on this. And when we look at the Sermon on the Mount a lot of times is when we look at it, we, we tend to pull things out, and because we do that, we misinterpret the passage. And a passage like this that Adam just read is so often misinterpreted because we just look at Matthew 6, 1 through 18. We don't look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7 when we're trying to understand this passage. Okay, so, so much of the Sermon on the Mount has this, and over the course of the past few weeks, I've been trying to correct those misconceptions, those misperceptions, those misunderstandings of what Jesus is teaching us. So, uh, as we go into this, just have that in mind. And also have this in mind. Jesus is not establishing a new law, okay? Our tendency when we read the Sermon on the Mount, so when we read a passage like this, when he says, this is how you should fast, then we make it our own law. If I don't fast in this way, nothing is going to happen. If I don't give in this way, in complete secret and isolation, no, that, like nothing is going to happen. We just gave publicly, so... We didn't obey, if, if we interpret the passage that way, we didn't obey what Jesus is saying, okay? Um, you don't need a, a dark room, prayer closet, whatever you want to call it, where you, go, where you go and pray. That's you establishing a legalistic boundary for prayer. 
Jesus is not doing that. Remember, he didn't come to establish a new law. He came to fulfill the law, and he's fulfilled it, which means that we are fulfilled. So, and that, that's a sermon from like three or four weeks ago um, that you guys can listen to, but that is informing all of this, okay? So, um, just have that in mind as we, as we talk about this passage this morning. As you guys know, Missy and I became permanent residents of Canada officially a few weeks ago. I mean, it was back in March. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can clap for that. That's, that's awesome. Uh, are, you guys, are you guys permanent residents yet? Yeah, Paul and Courtney too, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're both Americans. We're coming to take over. No, I'm just kidding. We're... We're not, yeah, we're escaping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a big deal for us. It was, it's, as you guys know, it's a very rigorous process. It's a long process. We had to take English tests, and we didn't probably do as well as we thought we would do on our native tongue. Uh, they try to trick you, right? It's, it's really tricky. So, um, but before that, before we became permanent residents, our status in the country was was legal, <laughs> but it was temporary. It was, we had to do certain things, and we had to jump through certain hoops to stay in the country. And, and immigration, they could have revoked our, our work permit visa, whatever you want to call it, uh, anytime they wanted to. And so it was always up in the air. It was, it was a little unstable. Now, we never really thought about it. It was just, we're just like, God wants us here, we're going to be here. But you're, we're in this kind of instability. Uh, but, and now that we're permanent residents, the awesome part is we don't have to do that stuff anymore. But even though we're permanent residents, we actually still have to jump through a couple hoops. It's not as bad. It's, it, it, it's definitely not as bad as having temporary status. But uh, if we don't do those certain things, like if we don't live in the country for a certain amount of time or, I don't know, some other things, uh, we could get our permanent residency revoked, or, or it just won't be renewed. And then also, even though we're permanent residents, we still don't get all the benefits. Now, uh, we get most of the benefits. Uh, the, really, the only one we don't get is voting. And I, don't, I still don't understand the Canadian political system, so I'm like, eh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but we get, we get a lot of the benefits, we just, like I said, we don't get all of them. In the, in the kingdom, we are, God, the scriptures call us kingdom citizens. They call us citizens of heaven. And, and here, like I said, here in Canada, there's certain benefits we don't receive. There's certain hoops we still have to go through. And for us, it feels like we're still trying to gain Canadian approval sometimes. Like the past five years, we have to do certain things to gain approval to stay in the country. Even with permanent residency, we still have to do that. We still have to do certain things to gain Canada's approval to say, yes, you do belong here. And most of us live as permanent residents in the kingdom. When you're actually citizens of the kingdom, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you are a citizen of the kingdom. Your citizenship is in heaven. But a lot of us live like we're still permanent residents, like we still have to jump through hoops to gain God's approval. Like, we still have to do certain things to, to, um, to be accepted. And, and this morning, we're going to talk about the fact that we are approved 
by the Father in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit already. If you're in Christ Jesus this morning, you are approved. But the thing about permanent residency is for us, we always feel, we still feel this pull back to America. Now, it's America, so it's like, like a vortex, right? Um, but we still feel this pull back to America. One, because it's our culture, it's our heritage. Two, our families are still there. So you talk to either of our parents, and they're like, when are you moving back? <laughs> My parents know we're not, but they, they always make jokes about it. <clears throat> um, you know, our, our, uh, it was our, our heritage. Uh, there's, we still have American citizenship. So whatever happens in America directly affects us because it's still our citizenship. And a lot of us living as permanent residents in the kingdom, we still have this pull to our old life. You still have this pull to your old sin. You still have this pull to your old desires. You still have this pull to your old family. And you haven't realized that you're in a new kingdom, that you're in a new reality, that your citizenship is no longer here in this earth, in this world, but your citizenship is in heaven. It's in a place where there's no more sin. It's in a place where there's no more tears. It's in a place where there's no more mourning. It's in a place where everything is perfect, where God is, and your reality is actually there. It's not here in this world. But most of us and most of you still live like you're a citizen here. And a lot of this is based on approval. And this is the bottom line for today. That since you are approved by the Father, you don't need to be approved by others. And like I said, for, for us in Canada, it still feels like we got to gain Canada's approval to stay here. For many of you, your faith is a religion. It's gaining approval from the Father. And that's not the Christian faith, guys. The Christian faith isn't a religion. The Christian faith isn't you trying to earn a deity's approval. If you, want, if you want that as your religion, go to any number of religions that are not the Christian faith. You can, you can have your way over there because that's what they're all about. What Jesus is all about is I'm doing it for you. All you have to do is believe and trust in me. That's what Jesus is saying to us. And, and he's saying, I've given you the Father's approval. And because of that, you no longer have to feel that pull to your old life. You no longer have to feel that pull to your, your, desire, your old desires, your, your old sin. You no longer have to feel that pull to be approved by everyone around you. You no longer have to try to gain anyone's approval because you were approved by the Father. So we're going to take that through the passage this morning. And Jesus starts out with a word that isn't used very often in the scriptures. He says, beware. That word is, I mean, how many of you guys use that word? I can't remember the last time I went to someone and said, beware. <laughs> well, my daughters, I probably, I'm like, beware, Emerson. Uh, we don't use, that's not a, a word that's used very often. Where have, where have you seen it? The, the, yeah. Beware of, like, so I spent so much childhood in Albuquerque, New Mexico. If you know anything about Albuquerque, which you probably, well, unless you saw a, a TV show that was set in Albuquerque, which I won't name, um, you would know how bad Albuquerque is. It is a, yeah, I see you guys smiling. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, it is a, it's a, it was a rough childhood. Uh, I was there for some elementary school, some middle school. 
And it is a, it's gang-ridden, it's, uh, like, my middle school had drive-by shootings, had, um, I mean, in, in grade six, I saw someone get their, bash, their face bashed into the pavement, and it didn't stop, and uh, it was crazy. Um, there's so many, like, kidnappings were rampant. Um, it was, yeah, it was a rough, a rough city to, to spend that time in. I look back and I say to my parents, like, why? Why, why did you let me go to that school? Why did you do all this? I was exposed to so much at a, at a young age. And um, so because of that, everywhere, like almost every house in Albuquerque has a beware of dog sign. And you know, depending on what neighborhood you're in, you know what kind of dog it is. You're in a rough area, you're expecting like a pit bull or a Doberman. You're in a more upscale neighborhood, you're like golden retriever. Maybe a poodle. <laughs> uh, and so when you see it on the, on the house, you're like, and you know what neighborhood you're in, you're like, yeah, I don't really have to be aware of dog here. But here, I probably need to be aware that there actually is a dog that might eat me alive here. And when Jesus says beware here, like, the reason I'm pointing this out is this word isn't used very often in the scriptures. So when it's used, it should strike us. And it shouldn't strike us in the way of like, oh, there's a poodle behind the fence. It should be, oh, a pit bull's coming. Like there's, there's something back there that Jesus is trying to draw our attention to in a way that he doesn't do it very often. Now, Matthew is actually the biblical author that uses it the most. So you see Jesus use the word beware a lot in the book of Matthew. The other place you see it used, which I don't have time to talk about, but it's really cool, is, is in Deuteronomy with Moses and the people going into the promised land. And then it's used sparingly in other places. But uh, Jesus uses it here. <clears throat> and he says, beware. Beware of what? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Okay, like that, we remember, we're interpreting this in the context. Jesus has just told us in the last chapter just a few verses earlier, to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Now he's saying, beware of practicing your righteousness before others. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times when we read that, if you've, if you've been a Christian for a while, a follower of Jesus, you read that and you say, oh, I should not practice my righteousness before others. Jesus is not saying that. He doesn't say, do not practice your righteousness before others. He says, beware of doing it. Because he just told us to do it. Right? You guys with me on this? He just told us that we should do this. Now, what he's getting at is there's different motives at, at play here. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. This verse, this verse one, we're going to spend probably the majority of our time on it, because what Jesus does is he establishes this, and it informs the three examples he gives, the giving example, the praying example, and the fasting example. And they're really kind of uh, all connected. And, and so uh, this, this verse is like the summary verse for the next 18 verses. And so he says here that the issue isn't practicing your righteousness before others. The issue is the motive and the intention of your heart. Do you do it to point people to yourself, or do you do it to point people to the Father? What's the point of practicing your righteousness? Earlier he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and do what? 
and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Not glorify you, not praise you for saying, oh, good job, that was awesome, like I think better of you now. Your good works should point them to Jesus. And that's because as a follower of Jesus, you know that you're nothing. You know that you are nothing without Jesus. That it's only Jesus who's brought you where you are. It's only by the grace of God that you are what you are. And, and so in everything you do, Paul says, we can point to God because of that reality. Now, our world sees it, and they see us as followers of Jesus, and they think it's all us being pious, and we want, we want, we want the world to look at us and say, oh, we're better than you, and, and we're perfect. And you've probably heard someone say that to you before, especially if you're a, a teenager growing up, and you're trying to to be a follower of Jesus among your friends and, and they're steeped in sin and you're trying to not be steeped in sin and they point that out and you say, oh, well, you just think you're so perfect. And our world thinks that. But we know that it's not because we're perfect, it's actually because we know we're worthless. And Jesus has only, give, he's the one who's given us worth. And so he says here that He says to beware of this because he knows inherent in us is a sinful nature to be approved by other people. He knows inherent in us is a sinful nature to want someone to see something good in us to praise us. And that takes away from us glorifying the Father. And he says here, the last part of the verse one, so beware of this, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. What does he mean by that? What does Jesus mean by rewards? Why would he say rewards? Does that make any righteous act selfish if we're doing it for rewards? And why, why would he say we don't receive rewards here? Basically, Jesus is saying that you're going to get what you want. That if you do a righteous act, a good work, if you, if you do something good, and you're doing it for the approval, the admiration, the, the affirmation of other people, you're going to get it. And that's your reward. That's it. You wanted what you got, and, and there you go. But guys, that is, you know this. It's fleeting. It's ephemeral. It's not stable. It's, it's you have approval one day, and, and then the next day, you don't. And, and he's saying, He's saying here that our approval doesn't come from others. It actually comes from the Father. It actually comes from the Father. That our reward is the Father's approval. That we are operating in that approval. And our reward is is being like the Father. Our reward is being in the presence of the Father. So here's the thing. A lot of Christians also read that passage. A lot of you guys as followers of Jesus you read that and you say, oh, that means I don't want to do this because then I won't have rewards in heaven. Jesus doesn't say anything about rewards in heaven. He says rewards from your Father who is in heaven. And what all you've done is, is t- taken your focus off of rewards here and put it on rewards in heaven. And you've, and you've made heaven, you made here about yourself and you've made heaven about yourself about receiving rewards. And most followers of Jesus will say, oh, well, I want to I give so people don't know because, 
because I want my rewards in heaven. No, you're receiving your reward now. It's the presence of the Father with you. It's when you act like a child of the Father, you, you feel the presence of the Father. The Spirit is in you. The Spirit is moving through you. He's, he's with you. What more do you need? So many of us are saying, we're storing up rewards in heaven, and we're going to get our crowns, and we're going to get our gold streets, and we're going to get our mansions. I don't know where a lot of that stuff comes from, but um, I mean, some of that stuff, there's, I, some of that stuff is in the scriptures, and we just got taken and run with it. And, and we're going to get all this, and, and we're going to store all this up, and, and I'm going to have this big mansion in the afterlife. Like, if you're talking like that, you should shut your mouth like that. Or you should say, don't tell people you're a follower of Jesus, because that is not what Jesus is saying. That's not what he's getting at. He's saying, what more do you need than the Father's approval? What more do you need than the Father being with you here and now? That's your reward. Your reward is you're acting like my child. Your reward is I'm your father, you're my, my son, you're my daughter, and you're representing that to the world. If you are looking for a reward in the future somewhere, you've totally missed the point. You've totally missed what Jesus is getting at. Now, here's the thing. Will there be rewards in the future? Yes. Should that be why you do things? No. That reveals the, the wrong motive, a selfish motive in your heart. Now, you know, I have two kids. I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, two daughters, and, uh, and my approval for them, my love for them, sometimes comes in the form of me giving them things, right? The Father does that. God does that for us. But when we focus on the thing that God gives us instead of God himself, that's where we get off. And that's what a lot of us tend to do. We tend to focus on this reward thing instead of on God himself, and Jesus is pointing us to the Father here, and he's showing us uh, that this is, all, this is all we need. And then he gives three examples, and one's, one's giving, one's prayer, one is fasting, and he starts off with each by saying, but when you do this, so in verse three he says, but when you give to the needy, and verse Five, he says, and when you pray. In verse 7, he says, and when you pray. In verse 16, he says, and when you fast. So Jesus assumes that as a child of the Father, as a son or daughter, that you are already doing these things. That you're doing these things. That, you're, that you look like him. He doesn't say, and, and if you do this, and if you pray. He says, no, if you're a kingdom citizen... You are doing these things. You want to do these things. These things are a part of the very fabric of, of who I am, God says, and, I've, and that's why you look like me when you do that. Jesus, he came and he gave himself. You see him, in, you see him uh, in his life, and he's always praying and communing with the Father. Uh, and, and then fasting, and, and you know, that speaks to just a, this, these... Um, a life of holiness that we'll get to in a second. And you see that in, in Jesus. And so when he goes into these, he's assuming we're, we're doing them. And in, in verse 5, he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And we're going to talk more about, oh, sorry, I skipped giving. We're going to talk more about prayer next week. 
because we took out the Lord's Prayer in that section. We're going to talk about that next week. But let's go back to giving. So he says, when you give the needy, sound no trumpet before you, and don't stand on the streets that they may be praised, that you may be praised by others. And so the first principle I want to get at is, is this. Giving should display selflessness. It should display selflessness. Like I said, Jesus is not establishing a new law here. He says, if you want to be praised by others for your giving, that's fine. You've received your reward. Like, they've, they've praised you. But then he's, he gives a principle, and he says, verse 3, when you give to the need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is, this is giving out of the character of who we are as kingdom citizens. What Jesus is saying here is it's automatic for us. When we see someone in need, our inclination is to give, is to help. It's not to shy away from that. A child of the Father doesn't say, no, that's not what I do. A child of the Father says, yes, I'm here to give. I'm here to, to, do, whatever, to do whatever it takes. And that's what that verse means there. And he says, so that it may be done in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you in secret. Like I said, a lot of us take, take this and, and we say, okay, we're not supposed to do this publicly. We're supposed to give anonymously. And, and that way I receive my reward in heaven or whatever. Again, we already talked about how that's poor theology. Uh, but also, like I said, we just gave publicly. So if you put something in that offering bag, whether it was a whether it was a, an envelope or a card, someone may have seen you do that. And that's okay. We didn't violate this principle because it's not about the action as, it's as, much, as much as it is about the intention. Okay? I remember a year ago, I can't remember what it was. It was for some giving campaign. I can't remember what it was, but I stood here. Missy and I were here, and, and we said, we're going to kick off this campaign by putting a check in here. And that wasn't for you guys to praise us. And if you guys did, and that was, that was the reward, that's, I'm fine with that. Our intention was to push you guys towards the Father in that. And our motivation was to do that. And, and so we need to get out, of the, get out of the mentality that people aren't supposed to see our good deeds. How do they see the Father if they don't see us living like the Father? How they see Jesus, they don't see us living like Jesus. He says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, like he says, that doesn't mean we shout it out. That doesn't mean we go tell everybody, hey, look, because that review is the intention of your heart, right? And that doesn't mean we, we direct people to us, but we can do these things publicly and confidently in Jesus in pointing other people to the Father. Now, if you say, well, I... I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure about that, then maybe God has to do something in your heart. And you just go to the Father and say, God, what do you need to do in my heart for me to start pointing other people to you? And so he talks about giving here, then he goes into prayer, and he talks about, it's the same principle, and he talks about those who pray for just for recognition, public recognition. Again, we'll talk about all this, all this uh, next week. But just a, a couple words on prayer. It's amazing that even in, so prayer is the most intimate relationship and time we have with God and with each other. 
when you pray for somebody, that's the closest you are to somebody. Like, even if they're not in the same room. Because there's this tremendous spiritual connection. When we pray, we're literally entering into the throne room of God. And you may say, well, I'm still in the same place. No, our, our spiritual reality, which is actually our real reality, we're actually entering into the throne room of God, and we're there before his throne. We're entering into eternity when we pray. Through the blood of Jesus, we are in Christ Jesus with the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are communing with God in the heavenlies when we pray. And even in that most intimate setting, that mo that that eternal setting, we can bring our own sin into it. Isn't that crazy that Jesus says, hey, even when you pray, you're bringing in your old self. Even when you pray, your sin is there. And he's like, it works this way out like this. Some of you guys love to pray for the recognition. Some of you guys love to shout it out, and, and you're, using for, you're heaping up empty phrases, things like that. He says, again, we'll talk about all this next week. And he says, you need to correct your motives. And, you need to, and then he says, this is how you pray. Going to fasting, why would anyone fast, by the way? Uh, what is fasting? Fasting is, is giving up, the basic thing is food, giving up food for the sake of greater dependency on God. But why would anyone do that? I don't know anyone that loves to fast. Maybe you do in here, but I don't love to give up food. I like food. Yeah, you know, I, I wanna, I wanna eat, um, and and fasting here. The only goal of it is is to grow in greater dependency and awareness of God. And so that's the only reason we would fast. I wouldn't fast for any other reason. If there's an earthly reason to fast, I wanna do it. And fasting. The funny thing about fasting is some of you guys fast, but you don't actually spend time in prayer and spend time with God. That's just dieting. Like if, you're, if you're not eating and spending time with God, you're just on a diet. Like the point of fasting is to draw close to the Father, is to draw close to God. So you should, it should be paired with prayer. It should be paired, paired with community. It should be paired with reading the Word. It should be paired with spiritual practices and disciplines. So uh, fasting here, he, he talks about food, or the basic understanding is food, but what if, what if, we thought about fasting in this context for us, in this context of this sermon, in terms of giving up something that you seek approval from and gain approval from. And you may be sitting there right now and you may say, I'm totally self-sufficient, I'm totally, I'm totally, you know, I don't need approval from anybody, I just do what I do and blah, 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 and that betrays, that, that betrays the intentions of your heart if that's your thought right now. That, that's just, that's just, you're just trying to set a smokescreen for us. Because the thing is, we need approval. We do. We all do. We, from a very early age, like we seek it, we yearn for it, we need it. God knows that. That's why it's so important that, that our approval is found in the Father, not in other people. Because guess what, guys? Other people are always going to fail us. That, the closest person in your life right now, they're always going to see you as broken. They're always going to see you as, as failing them sometimes. They're always going to see you as, as um, 
maybe unstable. Uh, but in the Father, his approval is eternal. It's everlasting. It's stable. It's, it's never-ending. It's always there for us. And, you know, in, in fasting, I don't know what fasting approval would look like for you. Uh, it may mean you fast or give up your desire for a promotion because you feel like, man, if I just got that promotion, I'd finally feel approved by my boss. I'd finally feel confident in my workplace. And maybe fasting from a certain relationship and giving up a certain relationship because all that does is, all that relationship does is, is, is um, cause you to pursue and seek approval from that person. And maybe social media. I bet for most of you it's social media. It's your Instagram account because you get, you get approval from your Instagram followers, from your Facebook likes, from your retweets, from your... Cassand is Cassandra in here? What else is on social media? <laughs> uh, I don't know what else there is. Uh, and, and that's where you get your approval from. And when you post something, you're just waiting. And you're waiting for that like. And when you get that like, it actually sends endorphins. It's like there's a chemical reaction in your brain that, that happens, and you get this high off of this, this approval. Yeah, I got approved because... Because someone I don't even know that I friended five years ago, but I've never talked to in real life, liked my post. Isn't that, that's kind of sick, right? And it's kind of sad. When what you have at your grasp is the Father's approval, if you would just throw yourself at the feet of Jesus, and an approval that outweighs anything else. And there's so much... Some of you guys are just living in lies and you're living in shame. Last night, girls had a, there was a crazy week for Missy and the girls. I won't go into all of it, but uh, they got stranded in, in an airport and it was, yeah, a crazy work week for Missy. They got home last night around 7 or 7.30 and, one, and it was a long day of travel. They left they left an airport at 9 a.m., had to go to a few different airports because their flight was canceled, they got rerouted, blah, 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 blah. They finally get back to Toronto, 7.30 last night, and I have a six and seven-year-old. One of them is like on the edge, like about to fall off, like going crazy. And the other one is like, she didn't see the edge. She's like way, way past the edge. And, and uh, they're just, yeah, but amazingly, they're, I mean, in saying that, it was, it was a long day, long week, all that stuff. Um, and right before they, they're going to bed, Emerson, she, she goes to wash her hands at the sink, and Reagan is there, and she just pushes Reagan out of the way. She just, like, hip checks her, like a hockey player. She's like, boom. And Reagan's, like, into the boards. She's like, ah. Uh, and, and I said, Emerson, I was like, Reagan was, was there. What are, you, what are you doing? And she looks at me, and she's like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. And I said, yeah, you did. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I wasn't even upset at you for hip-checking her because, like, it's been a long day, whatever. But now I'm upset because you, like, lied to my face. And, and, she, and I, said, I, I said, did you mean to do that? And she said, no. And I was like, I'm going to give you one more chance. Because I know the truth already. You think I don't, but I do. 
Did you push Reagan out of the way intentionally? She said, she just stared at me and she's like, maybe. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to give you one more chance. <laughs> I was like, look, sweetie, it's been a long day. It's either yes or no. There's no maybe here. And she said, yes. And I said, sweetie, if you just admitted, if you, all you had to do, before I even said anything, you just said, I'm so sorry, Reagan. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have pushed you out of the way. Here, you, you wash your hands first. Like, that would have changed everything. Instead, I'm talking to you for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> She's like, I know. <laughs> She's like, this is worse. <laughs> Just make me go to bed. <laughs> the thing with lies is, and Emerson is the best kid I know. <laughs> so I'm not talking bad about Reagan. I mean, I'm not talking bad about Emerson. She's such a great kid, her and Reagan. Um, the thing about lies is, and it hit me when I was talking to her, she didn't even know she was lying. The lie had deceived her own heart, her own intentions had deceived her so much that she didn't even realize it. She didn't even realize she was saying a lie to me. Because if you ask her today, don't ask her, she'll be so embarrassed. Don't ask, but if you were to ask her, um, do you like to lie to your dad? She would say, of course not, I never want to do that. I would never want to do that. But her intentions clouded her vision so much that she didn't even realize she was doing something egregious to me. That her act was an act of hate, not of love. And when she realized that, she started crying. And she said, I'm so sorry, Daddy. Like, I, <laughs> I don't want you to feel like I don't love you. And when she realized that, I was like, that's how the Father feels with us all the time. Our intentions cloud us so much. We're seeking approval from other places, and, and we're speaking all these lies to ourselves. We're accepting all these lies, and the sad part is we don't even realize it. You need to realize you're believing a lie. I had to coax it out of Emerson. It took like 10, 15 minutes for us to get to that point. And when it hit her, it was like she realized her, her, uh, her act and, and that it was just wrong. And Jesus is trying to get us to that. He's trying to reveal the intentions of our heart. And we've been so blinded by the ways of this world. We've been so blinded by the lies we've accepted and we've told ourselves that we don't even see it. And this morning, Jesus is here for you. And he's saying, you are approved in the Father. You're approved by the Father. Jesus is the model for this. In Matthew chapter 3, three chapters before this, he has done nothing in his ministry. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't preached a sermon. He hasn't, he hasn't done anything, guys. And he goes and gets baptized. And, and he says, he does this. Guess what? Because remember, Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness. In Matthew chapter 3, it says Jesus does this to fulfill righteousness. And he does this for us. And in this moment, when he comes out of the water, the father looks at him and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Approval. Before he's done anything, stop trying to seek the father's approval and trying to gain the father's approval. In Christ Jesus, you have the father's approval. You are approved. You are approved. 
Stop trying to seek it from other people. You are approved in the Father. That's just, that's short-lived. That's ephemeral. That's, that's, that, that can be wasteful. Um, but guess what? It can also be beautiful when it's in Christ Jesus. The community of faith is supposed to encourage. It's supposed to affirm. It's supposed to approve of each other. I love it when someone speaks encouraging words over me. I try to speak encouraging words over as many people as possible. We're supposed to because we are people who need approval, but it has to be rooted in the Father and in his love. And Jesus does all that for us. So this morning, as you approach communion, as you, and this represents the body of Christ broken for us, the blood of Christ shed for us, as you approach this table, lay down whatever you're seeking approval from and just rest in the Father's approval this morning. And if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, that is what he's inviting you into right now. He wants you to know his acceptance of you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you showed us this life. This life lived fully in the Father's approval. And Father, this morning, we're your children. I'm your son. And I just want to say publicly that I just want to only seek and yearn and rest and recognize that I am approved by you, that you have approved me in Christ Jesus. Now I don't have to seek it from others. And I can live freely in that. And this morning we can all live freely in that as sons and daughters. We don't have to be slaves to approval anymore because you freed us to live as followers of your son Jesus, already approved, already blessed, already reconciled, already fulfilled. Open our eyes to that reality, that that is our reality, that is our truth. I pray this in your name, Jesus. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.